Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you.
I'm not 
Come on, think about that for just a moment, wherever you're at and wherever you're watching from. I want you to think about the lyrics that we just sang. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And as you think about that, I want you to get this into your mind. Jesus was on a mission to drive out all the darkness in the world. And he did that. And he went to a cross and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now, many of us didn't realize that that was his mission, but that's absolutely what he was after. And today, before we go any further, what we wanted to do was take a pause on our worship service and take communion together. It's something that we do every Sunday as we gather at Lighthouse Church. And uh, so where you are, I want you to grab the elements that you're going to need to take communion together at this time. And I want to read to you some scriptures as we get ready to take communion. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul reads, For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So wherever you're watching from, I want you to grab that bread or that wafer, and you may take it at this time. In the next verse, it says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So right there we're at, grab your cup and take it at this time. And as you take that, I want to lead you in a prayer as we thank God and we reflect on the sacrifice that he made for you and I. Father, we thank you because you took on a cross and you endured death for us. Father, you stood in the gap between sin and everlasting life. And in that gap was a cross called Calvary. And you stood there, Father, for us. And as we take communion at this time together, we remember, Father, that it was through the shedding of your blood that we have received the forgiveness of sins. It was through the brokenness of your body that we now have eternal life. And Father, I bless everyone that is watching online at this time. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you touch them and that as they take this communion at this time, that we remember, Father, that it was your sacrifice that has brought us life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for taking communion with us at this time. Hey, we're not done worshiping yet. I want you to lean in as we worship some more together at this time. There's a lot of things we can't control, but we can't control our prayer. We can control our praise. We have a message for you today. We hope that you can receive it. It's a prayer for your family. It's a prayer for your children, for you. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you. 
make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Oh, yes, you. your hands this way as we receive a blessing from God.
Good morning, good morning. Happy Easter to you at home. Thank you so much for celebrating together with us. My name is Josh, and alongside my wife, Joanna, we have the tremendous privilege and pleasure of pastoring Lighthouse Church North County, and it is, under my estimation, one of the greatest churches on this planet. Wouldn't you agree, worship team? But hey, listen, I'm so excited to celebrate Easter together with you. Before we go any further, can I just lead you in a prayer? What an incredible blessing that we've just received. But can I also pray that blessing over your life? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your gracious and your mercy that is available towards us, Father. We are standing here because of the free gift that you have given to us. We are standing here today because of the gift that you've given, Lord. And we are thankful for that. And we honor you for that today. And we celebrate together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, wherever you're watching from, I want you to get excited. Tell the person next to you, Happy Easter. It's good to see you today. As we get ready to start our, our sermon today, I just want to turn your attention to the book of Matthew. And again, I just want to tell you, it's just such an honor to be able to share with you uh, a message on this beautiful Easter. Yes, Easter looks different than any other Easter Sundays that we've had in years past, but we are here today, nonetheless, moving forward. And so what I'd like to do is talk to you out of the book of Matthew, chapter 26. You're going to have to forgive me in advance. I've got a lot of scriptures that I want to read to you, but I've got a word that I believe that God is going to deposit into your life and into your heart that is going to touch you. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 26 and we are going to begin reading at verse 31. Y'all ready to go? Here we go. Tonight all of you will desert me, Jesus told them. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, the truth is this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. No, Peter insisted, not even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All the other disciples vowed the same. Now we're going to fast forward now to verse 69 of that same chapter. And it reads as follows. Meanwhile, as Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, a servant girl came over and said to him, aren't you one of those with Jesus, the Galilean? But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some other bystanders came over to him and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter said, I swear by God, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus's words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times. And he went away crying bitterly. Can you hang out with me just a minute more? I've got one more passage of scripture that I want to read from. It's in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. And it reads as follows. 
The next evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary, the mother of Jesus, went out and purchased burial spices to put on Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they came to the tomb. On the way, they were discussing who would roll the stone away from the entrance to the, stone, to the tomb. But when they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, a very large one, had already been rolled aside. So they entered the tomb, and there on the right sat a young man clothed in a white robe. The women were startled, but the angel said, Do not be so surprised. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead. Now this is where they laid his body. Now go and give this message to the disciples, including Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you on this message. You are not forgotten. Let's pray once more. Father, we thank you for these moments that we've shared. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to come together and to worship you on this Resurrection Sunday. And now, Father, we turn our ears towards the receiving of your word. May you speak to us powerfully from it. Our hearts are ready. Our minds are ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You are not forgotten. Have you ever said something that you immediately regret? I mean, we're only human, so the chances are you have. You've said something, and immediately after you said that, you thought to yourself, man, I blew it. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't the right time to say what I was feeling, even though I was feeling it. And let me take you a step further. Have you ever said something that you immediately regretted, and then it kept you up that night? Maybe you were replaying the scenario in your mind and you were saying, maybe I should have said this. And, and if I could rewind time, I'd say it this way. And if I could take back that moment, I would say it this way. And you lose sleep over something that you regrettably said in a moment. Now, now how about this? Let me take it one more step further. Have you ever said something that you so regretted that you were so ashamed to see the person that you said it to again? I mean, you might even ask your friends if they invited you to a get-together. Not now because we don't get together during this crisis we're living through. But, but maybe before when you were invited to a get-together, you might find yourself asking, who's going to be there? And you're only asking the question because you're worried that the person that you hurt might be there. Now, now we've done that, and that's what can happen when we say something that we so regret. And I, I say all of those scenarios because this is what Peter was living out. This was really the, the gravity of the situation that Peter was having to live out. And perhaps just maybe some of you who are watching right now, you're living it out. You've said something you regret. You've done something you've regret. You, you, you've said something that you are ashamed of. So, so let me take you to the text so you understand a little bit more about this story that I just read to you. First off, you need to understand who Peter is. Now, now Peter is one of Jesus' 12 disciples, but he is the most boisterous disciple. I mean, Peter lacked no self-confidence. There was a certain gravitas about Peter. He had charisma. I think this is the reason why he was tabbed as the first leader of the early church. You see, Peter spoke often. But he didn't think before he spoke. Peter had a lot to say, 
But he didn't always process his thoughts. Now, now sometimes this is good. It's good to have that confidence. And as a leader, you want to have self-confidence. And, and we see this for good. In the book of Matthew chapter 14, we read a passage of scripture where Peter with the other disciples, they're on their little boat and they're on the sea and Jesus is not with them. And the Bible says that a storm hit the sea and it's tossing the boat that they were in to and from and they are worried. And then off in the distance, they see someone that looked like a ghost walking on the water, and it was Jesus. And when Peter saw Jesus, Peter didn't say to him, Jesus, could you help us? Or, or Jesus, could you bail us out? Or, or Jesus, could you do something about this water? No, 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 that's not what Peter said. Peter says, if that's you, Jesus, can I come? You see, that's what Peter would say. He just said whatever he thought. He said, can I come? And because he said that, he actually walked on water. So sometimes when Peter spoke his mind, it was for good. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, we see Peter do this again. Jesus, he, he, he's standing now with a group of his disciples, and he asks them this question. Hey, who do men say that I am? And they all began to say, well, some say you are the prophet Elijah. Some say, man, you're Moses, come again. And it was Peter who, who finally he was the only person that had enough sense that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, it was Peter who said that. So Peter was not afraid to speak his mind, and sometimes it was for good. But sometimes it was regrettable. Sometimes it was regrettable. You see, in Matthew chapter 17, we read a passage of Scripture when Jesus took Peter and, and, and he takes John and James with them and they go up to the mountain, which is called the Mountain of Transfiguration. And God revealed all of his glory to those three disciples. And it's revealed right there through his son, Jesus. And Peter, not knowing what to say, Peter said this. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but, but the essence of what he said was, this is amazing. We, we should never leave this mountain. As a matter of fact, let's build three altars and never leave. That was Peter. That was Peter. That was one of those moments where Peter said something that was regrettable. Because Jesus' mission was to save this world, not to get up on a mountain and have an altar erected for him and just hang out there and never come off the mountain. And then in Matthew chapter 26, in this passage that we're going to be reading about in just a moment, we read that when the temple guards came to arrest Jesus to eventually bring him before trial and eventually his crucifixion, Peter got in the way. And Peter, man, he had a moment where he was gangster. He, he grabbed a sword from one of the temple guards and he cut the ear off of one of the arresting officers. And, and Jesus had to rebuke him and put the ear back on that guard. You see, this is who Peter was. He was passionate. He makes up his mind and he acts first and he thinks about it later. That's Peter. You might even be a Peter. You're like, huh, they act first and think about it later. And this is who Peter was. Now, now let me take you now to the Last Supper where we first began with our reading. Now, at the Last Supper, as Jesus is sharing with his disciples what was to come, he looks over at Peter and he tells him, Peter, you know, you're going to deny me three times before this night is over. And Peter, in typical fashion, he just denies that he could ever or would ever deny Jesus. I imagine Peter said something like this. Look, Jesus, if anyone's going to deny you, it's John. He's soft, okay? I'm not going to be the one that's going to deny you. Didn't you? Don't you remember who I am? I am a successful, experienced fisherman. I have been hardened by the sea. There's no way that I could ever deny you. 
But in Peter's mind, all he's seen is Jesus do the impossible. And all he's seen is Jesus do what he said he was going to do. And as much as Peter was trying to deny that he would ever say this, I believe in Peter's mind, there's some doubt that was beginning to sink in. Maybe I am going to do this thing that at this moment, it's pretty regrettable just thinking about it. And so then later that evening when the, the guards finally come to arrest Jesus, I believe that the story that I shared just a minute ago where Peter grabs the sword of that temple guard and he cuts off his ears. I believe that Peter was acting really just he was acting out so desperately just to prove Jesus wrong. And have you ever overreacted to something? Just a minute ago, we were talking about have your sets that you regret. How about overreacting? Have you ever done something to ever uh, overcompensate? And I think that's exactly what Peter was doing in this moment. He was overcompensating because he was trying to prove that Jesus, there's no way that I would ever deny him. I look at me, man, I'm going to fight for you and I want to cut this guy's ear off. That was Peter. He was trying to now overcompensate compensate and in his process of overcompensating what Peter did is he stepped into doing things his way he now transitioned from being a part of Jesus's plan to now getting the way of Jesus's plan and that's what happens whenever we put our way ahead of his ways that's what happens when we put our will ahead of our father's will Peter in his own actions was trying to circumvent the will of the Father. And it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. The right thing done for the wrong reasons is still the wrong thing. Now, can I insert you into the story for just a moment? Can I, can I draw you into the story of Peter for just a moment? You see, just like Peter tried to circumvent the plans of God, I'm guilty. And if you're honest with yourself, you're probably guilty of trying to outmaneuver the plans of God for your life as well. Can you relate to Peter, anybody? Can you relate to trying to do things on your terms? I know that I have. I've I've wanted to do things my way, even though I knew that God had another way. Have you ever tried to get things done on your own talent? on your own ability, on your own strength. I've certainly done that where I've tried to do it on my strength. Have you ever tried to plan for your future without God? Have you ever tried to look into the future and tell yourself, I can do this without you? But here's what I've learned. If you continue to try to do things your way all of the time, one day you're going to wake up and find yourself completely alone. One day you will wake up and find yourself completely alone. And this is really what I think happened to Peter. He was so determined to do things his way that on the night that Jesus was crucified, catch this. I don't know if you've ever caught this before, but on the night that Jesus was crucified, Peter wasn't even with the other disciples. Why was he with strangers? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why was he at a bonfire with people that he had not spent the last three years of his life with? What was Peter doing and where was he running to and who was he hiding from? I believe that Peter tried to do things his way. And before you knew it, he found himself alone. I think maybe some of the other disciples wanted some space or maybe it was just Peter's own conscience, but, but he, he wanted space in that moment. And I have found that we will make our biggest mistakes when we isolate ourselves and pull away from those that love us and those that want the best for us. And that's what Peter did. And I imagine that night 
Peter, after three times denying Christ, he can't even sleep at night. He, he's struggling to come to terms with what has just happened. And then it's Saturday. Can you imagine the pain and the guilt that he's carrying with him on Saturday? Because Saturday is a seemingly motionless day for the church. I mean, Jesus, the one, the, the Messiah that they had put all of their faith in, he's in a tomb and he's quiet. They, they don't hear anything going on with Jesus. And you can imagine Peter is now spending his Saturday, his Sabbath, full of tears and full of fears. He was now regretting the decisions of trying to do things his way and trying to live life his way. But, oh, Sunday is coming. Come on, I want you to turn to your neighbor, the one that's watching this sermon with you, and tell them, but Sunday is coming. Don't you just love when Sunday comes? Not only is it a literal day in the week, but figuratively speaking, doesn't Sunday just bring something new with it? It brings new mercy and new grace and a sense of newness and freshness. So, so early Sunday morning, when the women go to the tomb where they had put Jesus, and they arrive at the scene of the crime, if you will, they see that the stone now has been... And rolled away and there's an angel sitting at the place where they thought that Jesus's body had been laid and the angel starts talking to the women and saying don't be surprised that Jesus isn't here he has been raised from the dead and here's the punchline that I want to bring you to here's the punchline of this entire story the next words by the angel to the women was go and tell the disciples and go and tell Peter Notice that, they, that the angel only singled out Peter by name. And I believe the fact that Peter's name is called is one of the greatest details of the story of the resurrection. It's as if to say that Peter, even though you denied Jesus, he did not deny you. Even though you claimed as though you didn't follow him, he never cut you off. And isn't that quite the statement to make that even when I am at my worst, Jesus is still calling out to me. Even when I've tried to do it my way, Jesus is still calling out to me. Let me tell you, you might have turned your back on him, but Jesus is still calling out to you. You may not understand the Bible. You may not understand Christianity. Maybe you're tuning it in because you've got nothing else to do with your shelter in place, but let me encourage you. Jesus will never stop calling out to you. Jesus will never stop reaching out to you. This is the hope and this confidence and the beautiful story that we celebrate through Easter, that Jesus does not forget about you. Jesus does not give up on you. And Jesus is still reaching out to you. You see, I believe that even now in the midst of this global pandemic that we are all navigating through, Jesus is calling out to you and saying, make sure that they know that I love them. As a matter of fact, before we turn on the cameras and the lights and the music, we gathered as our team and we began to pray. And I told them this, and it's what we've been saying every time. We're not singing to the church today, but we're singing to the people that don't know Jesus. We're singing to the people that are without hope. 
We're singing to the people that are suffering from depression. We are singing to the people that are suffering with anxiety. We're singing to the people that don't have hope in this hour. And we need to remind them that Jesus is for them. We need to remind them that Jesus still loves them. We need to remind them that though they may have forgotten him, he has not forgotten them. Because the truth is, resurrection is not for the faithful, but the resurrection is for for those who think they have no more hope. I love that we gather on a Sunday. And I love that they call the Easter Sunday and the Resurrection Sunday. They, they'll say things like, it's the Super Bowl Sunday for the church. But I kind of feel like that's a misnomer. I, I know we gather to celebrate the resurrection. But we're alive. We've already found this life in abundance. What resurrection and who resurrection is for, it is for those that need a resurrection in their life. It is for those that have dead things in their life. Maybe it's their hope that is dead. Maybe it is their faith that is dead. Maybe it is love in their life that is dead. You're in need of a resurrection. And the good news is it is Resurrection Sunday. And you can find that hope. You can find that faith. You can find that love today. And as I get ready to come to a conclusion now and as I, as I wind down, I, I really want to let you know that the church is doing everything that it can to let people know that you've not been forgotten. You see, the reason that the church has taken this posture and the reason that the church has figured out ways to get this message to you creatively, you should have seen us on the first Sunday when we tried to do a, a broadcast and the things that we were learning and the things that we were navigating through. We did all that not because we need our show to be put on the internet. We did that because we need to make sure that you know that you are loved. We did that so that you know that there is hope. We did that so that you would not forget that God has not forgotten about you. We did that so we can look at you this morning and, and tell you that you are not forgotten. Oh, but preacher, you don't know my past. You see, I used to go to Sunday school. My grandma took me there. I used to sing in the kids' choir. My grandma made sure I was there. But I gave up on all of that. And because I gave up on all of that, there's no way that Jesus would ever take me back. Can I tell you, you are the one he wants back? Can I tell you that you are the one he still pursues and you are the one that he still chases after? You need to know that no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done or who you have become, as long as there is breath in your lungs, God is still chasing after you. As long as you still have air that you are breathing, God is still chasing after you. The angel told the women, and go tell Peter. You see, God sees the ending from the beginning. In that moment, Peter was afraid, thinking, I denied Jesus. There's no way. There's no way he could ever love me. And Jesus didn't see the one who had denied him. Jesus saw the leader of his church because Peter would go on to be the leader of his church. And so he sent a special message to tell them, go and tell Peter. You see, this is the power of the resurrection. And this is our Easter story. You, sir, you, ma'am, you're not forgotten. You are loved and God is chasing after you today, and he will not stop chasing after you until you are back home in the Father's house. Say amen wherever you are watching if you believe that for your life. 
Now listen, I'm getting ready to pray for you, and that's the, really uh, uh, the, the last thing that I want to do in our time together. So, so if you'd allow me to, I, I'm going to invite you to lean in. I'm going to actually say two prayers, but in this moment, I want to pray for those of you that are feeling forgotten. You're not forgotten. You are not forgotten. You are loved, and you belong. And right there where you're at, I want to lead you in prayer. Father, I thank you for these moments that we've had now to enter into your word and to receive your word today. Father, I just pray right now for every person that is at home feeling like they are forgotten. Father, let them know that you are near. Let them know that you are close. Let them know that they might have turned their back on you, but you never turned your back on them. And in this moment, I pray that even now, out of the, that, that, that as I am praying this prayer over their life, that they would just feel your spirit reaching, feel your spirit touching, and that they would know that you are calling them back home. You are not done with them. You did not cast them out. You're just waiting to bring them back home again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, we're getting ready to sign off. But before we do that, there's one thing that I want to do. And we do this at the end of every church service. We do this at the end of every broadcast. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, if you would like to make a decision today to make him the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to read a, repeat a prayer with me. After we do that, the worship team is going to worship. But this is an opportunity for you to take a next step. Or perhaps maybe you're one of those that I was talking about just a minute ago. At one point in time in your life, you had a fervent relationship with God. But because of one reason or another, you're not walking with him like you used to. Listen, you can come back today. So as I pray this prayer, whether this is your first time or whether you're coming back home, would you repeat this prayer with me wherever you're at watching? Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son. It is because of that sacrifice that we have the forgiveness of sins. And right now, I receive your forgiveness. I welcome you into my heart. I take the next step and, 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 and receive you as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I vow to turn away from those things, God, that were dragging me further from you. And now I run to your arms. I run back to your home. And I'm coming back to you, Jesus. I receive you and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for praying that prayer with me. Wherever you're at, let's just worship for a few moments together.
I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. We love you. Happy Resurrection Sunday to you. We will see you back next week. Stick around for some important announcements. Have a great Sunday. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.